take a time machine back to before the world went to hell. Around the year 2000. The 80s and 90s were so rad. The movies, the music, the TV, the games. That's what I want to talk about. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And continue the conversation on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're cool enough, join the show on Patreon for exclusive bonus content. And now... Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff. Less Than 2,000. Now part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Welcome to Less Than 2,000 with Adam Wentz and Chad Bischoff, all part of the HyperX Podcast Network. We never do an intro like this, but I'm just doing it to delineate the beginning and ending of the shows. And we've got today the first guest we ever had on the show from season one, Chris Wolf. We went to high school with this guy, father of nine, podcaster, optometrist? Yes. Yes. And... uh optometrist will edit that with the magic of editing and it won't sound like a question it'll just sound, sound like part of the rambling intro and so it'll, it'll sound like our drop-in of our podcast network yeah. just be a yeah. and he's a <laughs> optometrist and yes so that's great i'm so excited to have him on the show again because I'm a huge Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze fan. I love Gary Busey, Point Break from 1991, awesome movie, and that's what we're here to talk about today with Chris Wolf. Point Break, Point Point Break, take it away, Chris. It better not be Point Break. It better be Gross Point Blank. <laughs> it's Gross Point Blank, right? Oh, yes. I he did it again. <laughs> Okay, because I'm sitting here going, I'm I'm listening to these actors getting really confused because I'm, you know, uh, I I was watching something entirely different. Yes. So okay. The, so Point Break would be okay, although I haven't seen it forever. But Gross Point Blank is like my my all time. If I had to pick one movie to watch, and I've watched it, I mean, I don't know, fifteen, twenty times, twenty five times, I don't know, a lot. And by hand, hands down, it is my favorite movie of all time. So I asked you guys what your favorite horrors and comedy uh, movies were. Gross Point Blank, hands down, favorite movie. Well, then my first question for you, because I didn't know that was your all-time, all-time favorite. Why Gross Point Blank? What is it about this movie that has you going... I could, if there was one movie that I could watch the rest of my life, it would be that one. What is, does this movie say to you? Well, you know, we talked about Fight Club last time, and, and Fight Club uh, spoke a lot to me, uh, to a lot of other kind of underlying, kind of uh, deeper stuff, right? But, but this one um, is so, so timeless to me. I mean, think about it. He was coming back. So when this movie came out, we were in high school. He was coming back to his 10-year high school reunion to reaccount with his uh, sweetheart from high school, who he abandons on the steps during prom to go become a, uh, a, a man for hire, right? A, a gun for hire, uh, a hitman. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he's kind of reliving his past. Uh, he's taking stock of his life. He mm-hmm. is, re- you know, the... the um, so it was sort of this time when I was thinking, man, first 10 years down the road, right. When we're, when we're going back to our 10 year high school reunion seems infinitely far away. And so then, um, 
so that that I think was one thing that spoke to me. The chemistry that many driver and I think my interpretation was the chemistry that many driver and John Cusack had was uh, at the time for me, I thought, wow, these two, I mean, they just, I thought they made each other better on the screen. I believed it. I believe that, I believe that when, you know, she, I could tell she was so attracted to him, still upset at him. But when he shows up in the radio studio, um, she can't help, but, but smooch him. Right but just lay a, the, a great one on him and, and then how shocked they both are. I mean, that chemistry was great. And then you throw in the, the you know, comic nuances of Dan Aykroyd, just pepper it in a little bit. Um, you know, Jeremy Piven, uh, their diet, you know, you could tell it's almost like everybody in that movie was really good friends to begin with because everybody's chemistry meshed and gelled. So if, if I had to say, I mean, I can't put my finger on why, but I think it was, my point in life, watching their chemistry, he was doing cool stuff, right? Like he was, it was cool, right? He was a hitman, he had tons of money, uh, and he was just ice cold. But he also became human throughout the the movie. Like, like that scene with under pressure and him holding the baby in the in uh, at the <laughs> at the dance is just like you, you watch you watch the baby's face, you watch his face, and you can see his. You know his his humanity changed where he he's a cold blooded for hire killer, and now all of a sudden he realizes this is not who he wants to be anymore. So I mean, I could I could talk about the entire movie, but that's probably in a nutshell <laughs> why I love this movie. Well, I can tell you that I I had never seen it. Uh, I remember when we recorded the first time, and you mentioned wanting to do this movie, and I was like, "Really? You mean Point Break, right? You're talking about Point Break?" <laughs> and 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 so I, I had never seen it until last night, and I've got to tell you, I know the reason why, because the movie poster or box art to the DVD or at the time VHS rental does a horrible job. Of telling you what this movie is going to be about. It it looks like a romantic comedy, like a cheesy romantic comedy. Uh, Something that I'd have nothing... I'm I'm pretty sure I never noticed the gun that he's holding. Uh, John Cusack is holding a gun on the box art, but it's like behind his back. And it just... You can barely see it. Yeah, it's... it's, Yeah, it's it's horrible. And and so I can tell you I I know I was familiar with that movie, but I saw the trailer, saw the box art, and was like, that movie's just not for me. So I went into this, and then I read the the synopsis, and I'm like, oh, I don't really like hitmen, people who kill people for hire. That's not right. That's not moral. That's not aligned with our Catholic school upbringing. I'm not down but with that. But it's capitalist. But so and so I, I I wanted to not like this movie. I went into it thinking. I wasn't going to enjoy it. And and I went into it thinking that this movie would not have, have very much depth. And I was pleasantly surprised by how much depth there was to it. There was a lot much a lot more depth to this than a cheesy surface level romantic comedy. And it's a movie that's many different things because it is a romantic comedy. But it's also a black comedy. It's also it's got some action elements. It, it it's got a kind of a just this it's hard to pigeonhole it i guess i'd go with romantic comedy if i had to classify it as one thing but there's drama there's 
nostalgia. I love the 80s stuff. The soundtrack is top notch. Soundtrack so is great. Many great oh, hits so from the 80s. Uh, so, so this this movie checked a lot of boxes for me, and I was sucked into it, and and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, I would not yeah, say greatest film of all time if I was a desert island film. Uh, I, I I won't go that far, Chris. But I definitely uh, was very pleasantly surprised by it. Thumbs up, Adam. For sure. If you would have seen that movie when you were seventeen years old, it would be Desert Island. I think. See, I think that's interesting that you say that because I don't know if I would have related as a 17-year-old. I, I think it's interesting that you got sucked into it as, you know, we would have been 16 or 17 when this film came out in high school, not even seniors yet. Uh, maybe by the time it came out on, on, to rent, you, you, we were seniors. But I I don't think I would have related to it then because you're like in it. You For me, I needed the, I needed the oh, I remember what my 10-year reunion was like. I remember what my... 20 year reunion was like and <laughs> see and that perspective I, I, got, I, I gotta chime in here i get this, see this, i i figured it out see this is why chris is about ready to have his 10th kid <laughs> you know what i mean like two even at 40 like you know you know it, it, it that's not you and i i mean you know like yeah i mean i can see the sentimental moment of holding the the baby and that me the director in me was like how did how did the director get that baby to react that way like i was mesmerized by how the baby was acting at such a young yes. age more that than i was brilliant. going man i need kids <laughs> so did you guys so uh that mirror the 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 soundtrack you brought the soundtrack up but you know dun, 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 mirror, mirror in, in the, the bathroom. bathroom that yeah. fight scene that fight English scene beat. to mirror in the bathroom Tell me, tell me that wasn't an amazing fight scene. I loved it. I, 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 I loved, I, first of all, I love that song. My band covered that song uh, when I was in college. And, and uh, I, I thought that was a, a great piece. But the thing that I liked even more than the fight was, we're getting into spoiler territory. Here's your warning. Uh, that he stabs the other hitman in the neck. And he's sitting there oh. bleeding out, and then Minnie Driver comes upon him. And I thought John Cusack did a great job of, of like that the look in his eyes of like he's being hunted. He just killed someone in self defense, yes, but uh, you know, blood on his face. And he had this like you know he was he was keyed up look to him, and he goes, "That's not me. It's not me." Yes, and, yeah. and, and that's the theme of the movie because. So many of those beats are like, like his, is it his, is it his sister? That's his assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. His assistant slash sister is like your identity <laughs> early on is like your identity is in the bag. There's this whole thing about identity and, and, and not knowing who he is. And then that's, it, it's mashes up nicely with the 10 year reunion thing and all these people that have have respectable jobs and families. And so he does, he's at a crisis point in his life. He doesn't know he is. He doesn't know who he wants to become. So, so I, I love that, that look that, and, and the line, it's not me. That's not me. Yeah. And, and one thing that wasn't necessarily needed, but I'm glad it was in there was his sisters that when they left the camera on her, 
because she's so nice. She's like motherly throughout this whole process, this whole film. And then when he she gets off the phone and she takes the other phone call, she's just angry, yelling, and you see this whole other side of her character, of her life, the stuff she's doing behind the scenes to protect him, you know, to be there to put out the things and have the support that he needs you know, uh, throughout this. And I, I really, again, it, it wasn't necessarily needed, but I'm glad they showed it. I'm glad they showed the sort of other personality. Yeah, especially when she, when, when, uh, when he decides, can't remember what happens and, and the feds come in and she's starting to burn the thing down and she's throwing the fire, you know, while she's smoking. smoking a cigarette <laughs> while she's throwing the, she's smoke, throwing the gasoline everywhere. The, um, but yeah, you know, as a director, Chad, and as a as a as a film um, maker, the the thing that I am interested to hear your perspective on, and I'm not trying to take over the interview, but the uh, but the thing I want to hear your perspective on is, you know, that to to Adam's point is after he stabs the guy in the neck, and you can see he's got you know his his whole demeanor changes where it's like this instinctual like I I am built to kill people, and then mm. he sees Minnie Driver. And he real, and then it's like you see it all just melt away, you know. Just come, you know. It's like you see for right before that he's holding the kid. Then, then he, then he had he has this encounter with the guy who's hit, hired to kill him, kills him, does what he what he's trained to do, and then he just it just all just sheds off, you know. How do you get how do you yeah. get that out of somebody? Um, part of it is the order of which everything went down, so. You know, you have this epic, you, you know, he's being followed. You have that epic gas station can, or convenient mark yeah. shootout and, and then the building blows up. But then we start to get into the romance side of it a little bit more. And it's the baby. You take the baby moment. You take the romance. You, she, you finally see them together at their 10 year reunion. And and so we've started to feel comforted. And away from the murder and away from the stuff. And then what is single-handedly the most violent thing in the whole movie? It is that scene in the hallway when he stabs him in the neck. You know, all the other shootouts, all the other stuff is kind of wrapped up in the action. You take the hyper-violent moment of physically taking another human being's life by jamming a pen in the neck. And then immediately you see that the the crazy in in the eyes and the adrenaline junkie and i mean you know in him and and that's how you get that you 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 take the moments mm. and we are kind of putting those pieces together you know and so that's that, i think that's what it is i i i i think the the if you had to to pinpoint the aspect of the movie that you enjoy the, uh, the aspect of the film that you enjoy the most what is it i mean is it is it the romantic comedy is it the action is it the sort of com it's almost a coming of age you know 10 years later kind of story the identity struggle I know it works great together and that's probably why it makes such a great desert island movie because there's so many different aspects and you can appreciate different things. If you, if you had to identify one thing that you're like, this is the piece that really jumps out at me the most or appeals to me the most, what aspect of the film puts it over the top for you? I mean, I, I, think, the, I, I think you said it. I think it's the fact that 
Uh, I, we describe this on my podcast. The, it's it's the it's the uh, beauty of of all of these emotions wrapped up into one. You know the the ultra like the the serious violence that was entailed in some of those scenes, plus the chemistry with with uh, you really believe that they loved each other back in in a, in a period of time and that they could love each other again, and then this comedic back and forth between you know arch rivals and and enemies who are trying like between Dan Aykroyd and uh, and uh, John Cusack where uh, they're they're busting each other's balls they don't trust each other at all but mm-hmm. but one of them's trying to get him to come into business with them and I think just all of those things wrapped up I mean I don't I I couldn't pick one Adam I mean I know you're trying to make me pick one <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I could but I can't. I think that's what why why I love the movie so much is because there's all these different elements that take you all over the place, wrapped up into that one movie. Um, and even 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 the even the back and forth with her dad, you know, even the back and forth with her dad when he's sitting on the couch, you know, he's got a scotch in his hand. He's probably he's half lit, and uh, you know, again, <laughs> spoiler alert, he's supposed to come, uh, you know, come kill him. Yeah, and he realizes he's going to save him and they, they kind of banter back a little bit. Like they had never, that you could tell that when he was in high school, he probably, the dad kind of liked him maybe a little bit, but still was pissed that he left his daughter, you know, on prom night and all the heartache she had to go through. I mean, just all of those things, every single dynamic in that show just, just, uh, met, matched. And so I think that's the answer for me, Adam. <laughs> What's the one thing you like the most? Everything. <laughs> well, no, but I think this movie, I understand what Chris is saying, because if it was just an action movie, it wasn't good enough. If it was just a romantic comedy, it wasn't good enough. You know, what works about this is everything. It, this, this, this is kind of a unique film. I mean, you know, when you say, popcorn. Chad, what do you like about Terminator 2? I can tell you exactly what I love about Terminator 2. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger with a minigun shooting out the building with zero, you know, with zero fatalities. 0.0. And so, 0.0. But this had everything. I mean, even in in his quest to find healing, like we can't, Alan Arkin, who I absolutely love as an actor, plays, I yeah, you oh, just keep so showing up at the same time every yeah. week. I don't want to treat you. He's hilarious. I'm yeah. conflicted, and he's so that funny wasn't meant in it. to make me feel good. I, I yeah, <laughs> I felt bad for him. I felt really bad for him because uh, you know I've kind of been in some situations a little bit like that, and you know you can say that he's like if you because I was waiting for him to say if you say you're gonna kill somebody I have to report you and that is true I wasn't sure if that law did. had gone into effect at that point yet because previously prior to that law you couldn't say anything priests mm. shrinks lawyers you could not ever report somebody and then people got killed and then they they made they, they made a law that said if somebody has a duty to report, you know, child abuse or an impending murder, you can violate. It's not a violation of confidentiality to stop, stop that. But what I felt really bad about was when he's calling and John Cusack is calling and firing him. You see his <laughs> wife like with the blanket wrapped around her. And Alan, Alan Arkin is like tearing the place apart, unripping the phone off the wall because it's just like this guy won't go away. And he just keeps showing up. And he said, you know, I know where you live in that first yeah. scene. It's like, that, doesn't that wasn't designed to make me feel good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I got an emotional involvement with you. I am scared yeah. of you. I'm terrified of go, you. Go, go, go to your reunion. Go to your reunion. Don't kill anyone. I'm scared Don't of kill you. Anyone. That was such a great line. He was he was great. I think Dan Aykroyd was great in this film. Dan Aykroyd uh, brought it. He brought that perfect uh, mix of of menacing. I because I always have a hard time taking him seriously as like a, a killer. I you just you just don't see him that way. But he, well, he he played it with the edge, and and my favorite part was he at the cafe. I love that cafe scene when he's got oh, the gun so in the bag oh, and yes. he's pointing at, it and there's the super tension. I love their first scene together when they meet in the parking lot and they're like totally like kind of pacing around yeah. each other and watching, not letting <laughs> each other get behind them. I love that stuff. And then, but but when he orders, he makes his breakfast order, and it was very similar. To the Dan Aykroyd, you know, speed talking radio voice kind of delivery, the the you know dry white toast from Blues Brothers kind of vibe to it. <laughs> that was, I think that was my favorite part of the movie. Was was that? I scene. mean, it and was the, all great until it was all great until the house shootout. And I'm sorry, just the way Dan Aykroyd yeah. was shooting his two guns. I couldn't buy it. I couldn't buy it. I mean, he like had a hip shake with it. It was almost yeah. like he was like confusing blues brothers with what movie he was in they needed to have a scene i think this would have worked better if they would have if 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 he had a, a a guy a bodyguard if he had a really menacing bodyguard that you saw maybe do something to somebody earlier in the film like yeah. like dan Aykroyd's this nice like come on join my union kind of guy but he's got this muscle <laughs> who will do horrible things to you I think that would have yes, been... Yes, he should have been the business brain. <laughs> he was the business brain, so he should have had the muscle, you know? But... Yeah, I, I mean, can see that. But yeah. I do... Minor I, detail. Yeah, I, I do like that. that he got killed by a tube TV. I, I thought that was a very nice <laughs> way to end it. was getting hit yeah. over the head with a tube TV. So let's you know what decade it is. Do you love Japan and video games? Well, so do we. We're Kinsey and Mark from Kyoto Indie Dev's Chuhai Labs. Join us twice monthly for games, silly Japan news, and all-around nonsense. We stink at making commercials. <laughs> we f***ing got this one, bro. Be sure to stop by the Chu High Labs Discord to chat about our games or ask us questions. Chu High Labs and the Nasty Labs Podcast. We're legally the best. If you're a shrewd shopper, it's about to be your favorite time of the year. HyperX will be running massive sales for the holiday season. Get up to 50% off some of our most popular products like the Ultra Comfy Cloud 2 headset, the tough, responsive Alloy Origins mechanical keyboard, and the fan-favorite Quadcast USB microphone. Sales will be going on at all major e-tailers, but be sure to head to HyperX.com and sign up for the newsletter to get the scoop on the biggest deals. Happy holidays from HyperX. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast where two guys delve into the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and the impact it's had on pop culture. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The the actual motive isn't to explore something that's both yeah. scientifically possible or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the HyperX Podcast Network. Look, I bottomed out here. I've lost my taste for it completely. That's why I came back and I wanted to see you. You know, I wanted to start over, leave that behind. Oh, so I'm part of, I'm part of your romantic new beginning, right? 
How come you never learned that it was wrong? That there are certain things you do not do. You do not do in a civilized society. Yeah, what civilizations are we talking about? Oh, shut up. I mean, history. Shut up. Everything about you is a lie. Everything. Stay away from me. Debbie, don't go. You don't get to have me. The key to this movie is the delightful Minnie Driver. I mean, this is this was kind of her year because Goodwill Hunting also came out in 97. And she put this movie over the top. Like you said, the chemistry that they have together. And I think this is a I think this is a a fine movie if you find somebody else, but she is really brought what brought so much out of John Cusack as an actor and just has so much presence and has such a likable, funny vibe to her. I totally bought her as a character. And there was a part of me that was kind of like, uh, how does this play in 2022? This woman who's like all torn up by her prom date, you know, she said, you ruined my life at some point. Like, uh, you know, not playing she that also empowered, has the power. empowered of a woman. I mean, she, she kisses him and then goes, wait a minute, smacks him to get revenge Puts him and on then radio. starts kissing him again. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah. then, and then yeah. forces Puts him to him be on, on live radio. And, and, and that was, that was a great scene too. Yeah. But I, I, this film also doesn't work without John Cusack either. John Cusack has, mm-hmm. you know, in his acting chops, what this movie needed to be successful as yeah. well. I would, it's, it's really, it's really the whole cast, but them two specifically, you just there's just something about Cusack and the and in his performance, not just in this film, but in a lot of his films. And so you can buy the conflicted nature that he was in. You know, he had no problem killing people for for the last ten years, and now all of a sudden he's conflicted because he's seeing another side of life that he wants to get back to, and and he expertly uh, uh, is captured doing that on film. Yeah, and I thought the I would age, agree. I, I, I think. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, I think both of them again to to kind of expand on Mini Driver. I can't remember if Goodwill Hunting came out before or after this this movie. You'd probably know, Adam, but but I I completely agree. The you know Mini Driver isn't when you immediately look at her like just a bombshell, but after you watch this movie and and you know uh, after you watch this movie, you you just like drawn. You know, she she drawing you in like yes, this is the kind of like you'd want somebody that can kind of give it back to you and stand up to you, but also is going to be soft enough uh, to, um, to kind of, you know, embrace, you know, and she, she was no wallflower for sure, but she was forgiving and also vulnerable. And I thought that was really awesome. Right. And, and he, and, and you're right. She brought that out of, out of John Cusack as well. The, by the way, uh, this movie, Gross Point Blank, came out in April of 97. Goodwill Hunting came out in December of 97. So Gross Point Blank did come first. And I love the scene I, the, the scene where she confronts him where, where after the murder and they get rid of the body and, and, and he comes up to her house, I think it is, and, and tries to get her back. She has a line... She has a couple great lines, and it's like it's speaking for me as the moralist, uh, saying, uh, you know, 
you you don't understand that polite society doesn't do this or whatever but the, the maybe you remember the exact line but the line that really hit me is like i'm not for you you don't get to have me i think that's uh, the line you, yeah. you don't get to have me yeah uh, because you know you're a, you're a hired murderer and you know people in polite societies just just don't do those things <laughs> do you think chris yeah. do you think his do you think he really was in the CIA and all of that, do you think that you know he tells the story about how he's the uh, an assassin in the CIA and then he started doing freelance a few years ago? Do you think that's true or do you think that's all just the story that he tells that's himself? A great question. Oh, that's a good question. I I I just never. I guess I never thought about that. I mean, he might have been uh, selling chicken all across the Southland. You know, um, you know. I think <laughs> I think I I assume that it was true. I assume that it was true. But yeah, you know, that was part of, again, part of the banter that kept going through that makes it so good is every time somebody asks him what he does, he, he leads with, I'm a hitman. You know, he says, Mm -hmm. well, you know, I I kill people for a living and then they, you know, they laugh and don't, don't believe him. Yeah. And then, Mm -hmm. and then he has to tell him all the other things that aren't true. But I, I thought that was true. I believe that. What did, did you not? I, I was skeptical. It's like what a likely story. Like the government groomed me to be who I who I became, kind of thing. Like, but but I think he's also it's coming at a point when he's truly trying to kind of bear everything to her and make her understand. So that's where I think that I I side more with you, Chris. I think I think it probably was true, but I love that it's not necessarily answered because he gives kind of a different story to everybody all the way throughout you know, kind of thing. And it morphs a little bit. So, you know, I like that it's not 100% answered, but you would think that it came at a point in time where finally we heard the real answer. And I think that's why I think it was real. And and I think, I I think, I think, I think it probably was real too. And it's, it's, that's lends credence to the fact, the scene with Hank Azaria and the other, uh, Homeland security guy or NSA guy, (laughs) uh, I love their their little uh, semi moral debate about how you know if he kills someone he's the bad guy but if we kill him after he kills someone we're the good guy and so <laughs> I think the moral ambiguity of that sort of lends towards the yeah he probably was trained by the CIA and everything and uh, I can't believe Adam how well you remember that I know you just saw it last night but but like you you get all of these lines like dead on i mean that's that's you almost said it perfectly uh how they said it um you've got kind of an interesting mind that you can see this i can't believe you just saw this movie for the first time last night and you're quoting it like that kudos to you well well thank you i can't remember your 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 kids names or your wife's name but i can remember random lines from a 25 year old movie that i've only seen once um but I, I enjoy it. Thank, thanks for taking us I'm down. I'm Chris, by this, the way. Oh, hi, Chris. Christopher Wolf. Uh, good to see you, my man. Thanks for being on the show, and thanks for, for opening my eyes to a movie that I completely skipped and never would have watched otherwise because of the horrible box art. It looks like she's all that or it's something. Is, is, is what oh, it's, it's so bad. 
I mean, and yeah, he literally bad. looks like they looks like they polished his face to be ten years younger. Oh, that I mean, was something just, about the everything ages. Everything about it is so bad. I thought for sure the ages weren't right. I was like, I bet he was like thirty five playing a twenty eight year old. No, the 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 ages were right uh, about right. He was born in nineteen sixty eight, so he would have been thirty ish. Uh, it, it, no, I mean, this all, this all lines up. He would have been 28 and 96. So yeah. this, yeah. that works. And Minnie Driver was born in 70. So she's just a couple years off, but it, I thought, I thought he was older. I just, cause he's been around so long. I, I thought like, so too. This guy's got to be yeah, like pushing so 40 too. playing a 28 year old. No, no, it was close enough. So <laughs> I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. it. I, and thanks for showing it to, you know, opening our eyes to it next time. Point break. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks guys for talking about it. It was been it's been fun for me to relive it with you, and uh, and yeah, thanks for coming on my podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on yours. I, I love listening to yours. Keep up the good work. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Well, plug plug your show, man. Plug your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I do a show called iCode Media. Chris Wolf's podcast on iCode Media. We talk about a lot of things that I f- find interesting. I talk to eye doctors. I talk about business business stuff. If you have a you know if you own a business or you're thinking about owning a business, we talk a lot about business stuff. Uh, and then we have other fun conversations like the one that we had with uh, Chad and Adam. I just like to do stuff that um, that I enjoy, and it seems that fortunately other people enjoy it as well and try to have interesting conversations. So you can check it out on any of your favorite podcast apps. That's E Y E C O D E Media, and uh, and you can Google it or search your favorite podcast app thanks guys thank you so great to see you thank you so much we will do it in another year or two my man 